sin But I better get her going And I get out my big 10 inch Red band plays the blues Well band plays the blues She just loves my big 10 inch Break it up a favorite Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to the Freshman Parking Lot, episode number 23. We're all back with you for the first time in a long time. Tonight's episode is sponsored by none other than the Farmers Co-op Society out there in Iowa and our buddy Jared Terpsta sending us some gear. Brad's got it on. Um, Jared, I'm sorry the hat didn't fit my head. I don't have as big a head as Brad does, but you can bet your butt that the golf balls are going to be displayed <laughs> on the rack in my classroom. So thank you, Jared, for the sponsorship tonight and for the gear. Um, as always, folks, you can join the Facebook group. We're up to 200. This graphic says 230 members. Uh, since I put this together, there's another one, 231 members now in the Facebook group. So we're growing almost as we speak. You can nice, always email nice. the show. I like it. Hey, mom and dad, thanks again for the email. The latest critique was great job on the last show, but guys, don't get too used to the monologue. We like you guys together. So that was the critique. <laughs> uh, subscribe, or as I think the YouTubers say, smash that subscribe button on YouTube. Up to 40 subscribers. Todd Carter <laughs> being the most active one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all the way up to double digits in the Twitter followers. We are at 11 <laughs> Twitter followers now. 11. So we I can don't see where our demographic fits. Right. Yeah, it's not Twitter. So, hey, guys, uh, how are you doing today? <laughs> Fantastic. It's good to, good to have us all. Hey, I, I've got room. the new uh, Zoom studio tonight. I heard yeah. you doing chores. I've got uh, the new Zoom studio. I'm out in my – I was doing chores tonight, and I had to jump in. So I got the new barn, and uh, I'm trying to organize it up and uh, trying out the phone in the barn and see how it works tonight. So if I have bad uh, signal, uh, I apologize. That is a multifaceted barn. I know for a fact you can watch college football. You can listen to podcasts. You can butcher deer in the barn, and now you can create podcasts. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's like a Bo Jackson of Barnes. Loving it, loving it. <laughs> and if we, and if we if we're fortunate enough, by the end of the show, we'll hear the rooster crowing in the background. I just wait for them cats to jump on your shoulders here. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, hey guys, we got a big time show tonight with a big time topic. I don't know how many of our listeners have heard of, but they made a little bit of news this week, the Knight Commission. And I'll be honest, when I first heard of this Knight Commission, I thought, well, they're making a recommendation on college football and Knight and college football. This has to be like headed by Phil Knight and Nike, but it's completely not. Um, but right. this commission basically is a bunch of pretty important people with, with a bunch of pretty important jobs and titles and a lot of commas after their name with, with a lot of different abbreviations. <laughs> um, and they have made recommendations and, and made recommendations that the NCAA has followed through on throughout history. And the latest recommendation here is basically NCAA, you kind of have a really broken model when it comes to FBS, which is football bowl subdivision, the biggest 
the biggest division of Division One football. And the, the differences between how that is governed, the money it takes up, the money it brings in, and who it brings in the money for. Um, and, and they have a, a recommendation that, hey, NCAA, you should not be in the business of FBS football. They should branch off and have their own governing body. And you should continue on with the rest of the sports. Still college football, but not the biggest of the biggest. So that's, that's the, the very, very Cliff Notes version. And we're going to get into some of the grimy details here. Hey, I'm excited. When I, when I looked at this, um, you talked about the members. Um, being the football guy that I am, I loved uh, the name on there was Paul Tagliavu, who was yeah. the former NFL commissioner prior to Roger Goodell. And um, he really did a lot of great things for the NFL and brought that to the standards that we have it as today. Uh, and some other names that were on there as well that maybe, you know, you've heard of or maybe some of their acronyms or where they're from. Uh, but definitely Paul Tagliavu jumped out to me on that list. Um, and when they wrote this, they, they did talk a little bit about how they've done so many transformational things for the NCAA. So I did go to their website to, uh, and do a little research, see what other things has the Knight Commission done or, or what are they claiming as their huge successes? Uh, one of those was pushing for a graduation rate at 88%. I'm not sure that if they can claim that, right? I think they've pushed to get colleges to graduate their athletes, but I don't know how we can give a commission uh, well, that. Um, in, unless they're the ones that put in the recommendation that says there will be penalties in terms of scholarships sure. lost and things like that if you don't meet certain graduation benchmarks. Well, and that is the... Go ahead. And that is the second thing that they did. They put in there how... Um, money is dispersed um, and based off of um, how many eligibility or how if you dip below a certain level of academic integrity, uh, you're not eligible for postseason competitions in your NCAA sport. So uh, those are the three things that I came up with kind of is that they are hanging their hats on. Uh, thought they were fairly interesting. There wasn't more there. I guess I was looking for more, you know, based off of this huge recommendation. I wanted to see what other huge things they have done in the past. And I think they've done a lot of tinkering and encouraging and, and some baseline setups, um, but not full overhauls like this would be. It's interesting to read the report. Um, Absolutely. No doubt about it. But one of the things that's interesting is that the NCAA has rule in place is we can control your sport. We can regulate your sport as long as we control the postseason tournament or the postseason championships. Well, that hasn't happened in Division One FBS football for like 40 or 50 years. Hold on. Can I read something and so quick? the idea that the NCAA still – go for it. Well, so right out of the report, this is something that I wanted to read is it's and this was in 2006 when they were celebrating an anniversary as well as ushering in the bcs or maybe ushering maybe they're right in the middle of the bcs era okay irony is at work here yeah bcs was about yeah so it says irony is at work here the sport that gave life to the ncaa which if you remember none of us were alive but a hundred yep. years ago there was like five or six deaths in college football and a bunch of serious injuries 
and Teddy Roosevelt said, if you, if you want this sport to continue, figure out a way to govern it. And the NCAA, it wasn't called that yet, but it was born because of college football. So the sport that gave life to the NCAA and consumed so much of its energies for so long a time is now governed at the top level for postseason championship purposes by an entity outside the NCAA's jurisdiction. Correct. The NCAA has no control whatsoever over the final four football teams or any of the bowl games. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't govern any of that. All the NCAA does when it comes to FBS football is foot the bill for, for, you know, kind of keeping the organization of FBS football in place during the regular season. And if I remember, and it's, I don't have the, I don't have the in front of me. I think it's like $60 million, $60 million a year. Yes, you're right. The NCAA pays to, to quote unquote, govern the regular season and take care of like eligibility issues and, you know, making sure that Nick Saban isn't paying players, even though we all know he is. Um, <laughs> okay, he's not. Well, and then the you're, NCAA, going, you're, the NCAA, you're going back Southwest Conference, Al. <laughs> right. The NCAA doesn't get any money from the postseason that it can then distribute to all of the programs. And that is in a stark contrast to what happens with the NCAA men's basketball tournament, otherwise known as March Madness. Completely different scenario. It's, it's, it's mind-blowing. We, we've talked a lot. I, I believe it was episode six. Go back and check it out. Name, image, likeness, which this commission had, had a hand in as well. But it, it's mind-blowing. We want to say college athletics is not a business, but it totally is. That's a terrible business model. We're going to have a $60 million expense and zero coming in in revenue from this one part of our business. Cut the business loose. Let somebody else deal with it. Take that $60 million and go ahead and spend mm-hmm. it on another part of your business. The only part of their business right now bringing in money over and above expenses is March Madness. And, and they're the only sport, FBS, that is allowed to operate outside of their own bylaws, which specifically yep. say yep. you must have the NCAA govern your postseason tournament. Correct. To me, to me, I love the idea of the big time college football programs breaking away from the NCAA and operating under their kind of own quote unquote jurisdiction. I really like the idea of giving programs that are in the current FBS model the opportunity to change. Like, let's say that you're a program, let's say that you're a program like um, Vanderbilt. You're in the SEC, which is a great conference to be in. But when it comes, they're kind of in the SEC. When it comes to football, is that the kind of program that really wants to try and quote unquote keep up with the Joneses in terms of rising coaching salaries, rising um, facility costs, et cetera? For a university like Vanderbilt, to me, that doesn't make sense. If I'm the president of a college like that, I'm saying, let's take a step back. 
We're going to compete at a really high level in basketball. We're going to play FCS football and not feel the crunch of spending, spending that has taken place in universities in the FBS system in the last 15 years has been a steep curve. And that cost has been passed on to students through student fees, which we've talked about in this program before um, at, at one point or another. And, and, and I made my feelings clear. I don't like for And ticket prices, yes. right? And so the average, average family can't afford to even go to a college football game, let alone a professional football game at this yeah. point. So um, I've, got, I've got some numbers I'd like to read off if you guys are okay with that. So I found, first of all, there's 130, there's 130 FBS football schools. 65 of them are power five schools. Okay. Big 10, big 12, ACC, PAC 12, SEC. 65 of them are what they call the group of five. Okay. The overall expenses for FBS football schools, athletic departments, and this includes also five or six independents, is eight and a half billion dollars. Okay. And revenues is $8.7 billion. And of those 10 conferences, 6.3 billion is power five, okay? I don't yeah. even think this is an FBS, FCS right. problem. I think this is let the power fives go and do their own thing and the rest of those reclassify to FCS. I think it's, it's even bigger than just- yeah, I think that Well, and, and, and this here is a perfect example of why that is. We have some great teams outside of the Power Five that are getting zero looks mm -hmm. at a national level. Yep. Your Cincinnati's, your Coastal Carolinas, your BYU's—they're not going to. Even if BYU did win out, they weren't going to be in that Final Four and undefeated if everybody else had won. So why not, as you say, take that second tier down and be competitive in that second tier? Let those Power Five go. And at that point, Notre Dame, yes, you're going to become an ACC yep. member, whoever, you know, you yep. decide to go with and let those other schools then be in that second tier. Yeah. If you've got, if you've got the fan base, if you can bring in enough TV revenue to continue to spend, spend, spend on facilities to attract top talent, spend, spend, spend on coaches to attract top talent, then go for it. But if you're Cincinnati, I'm, I'm, I'm slowing, I'm slowing down a little bit and let's go play FCS football. Let's win a national championship that is legit, but we won't do it on the backs of our student body or ticket prices. That makes sense. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think, I, guess, I think I this is a no brainer. I don't see any negatives coming about because of this. You guys see negatives. Let's say that the Power Five conferences break away, and let's say not all the schools in the Power Five conferences break away, but let's just say on average you get 10 schools from each of the Power Five. So you got 50 schools. Is there a downside to them having their own regulatory commission as opposed to having the NCAA? I, I have two possible. Oh, the, the, the difference is different rules for athletes to be eligible. Mm -hmm. 
you know, I think there needs to be a commonality throughout that, throughout your sports on your campus. Um, and, but no, beyond that, um, maybe Brian's got a couple more. Well, the, the one that I, the first one, it has a lot to do with what you were saying, and it only affects probably a, a very small handful of athletes at the Division One level. But if we have a multi-sport athlete who's also playing football and there's two sets of eligibility rules, that could get murky. But you hope common sense would win the day, but when we're talking about the NCAA, it never seems to. Um, so th that's one, but it's such a small handful of athletes that it's not a reason to not do something. And then the other one is, Correct. and maybe this is a non-issue based on how the money all flows, but is the college football playoff so profitable that them breaking away would harm the funding of other programs within their athletic departments? I don't know. Maybe the NCAA can make up for that with the extra $60 million they're not spending. And, and I don't know. Maybe they're not getting that money anyways. Well, I think they're still going to be sharing of revenue within. So if you're the Wisconsin Badgers and you break off and you're getting this money into your program, I would assume that that would also go to other sports within the athletic department, not just the football team. At that Maybe. Point, even though it would be governed separately. Maybe. But in that night commission, there is a line. I can't tell you what page it's on. I read the whole thing. It says monies that schools make in the postseason, do not need to be quote unquote earmarked for anything. Meaning, if the Badgers Correct. get paid a hundred million to go play in a bowl game, they can do literally whatever they want with that money. Within the 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 bounds of the NCAA. So March Madness. Team money off of March Madness. Certain percentages of that money are earmarked for academics and scholarships and this and for that. So that there's a, a direct, a direct benefit to the student athlete or to the students on campus in general. Correct. It all seems I, I, very shady. What's going on with the bowls <laughs> and the, the the playoff system in college football? <laughs> well, and, and sure. the more you know about the more you know about college football, the less that really makes sense, right? Yes. Like the more you really start to understand college football, it really makes less than zero sense at times because of everything that goes on within the confines that they call college football. Um, one of the irony things I saw in there, you know, when I read the report, they, they talked about the student athletes and the students and the academic side of it, but the entire rest of the thing, you know, really is the athlete and the money that's taking place in there, not so much the academic side of it. Yeah. They're students because they have to be in order to bring in the money athletically. That's it. Sure. That's, and that's there's a vast majority of them that are getting a great education that maybe they wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Uh, but in this instance of football, they are there for football and academics are secondary to their athleticism. Correct. Perfect. We tied it up in a bowl right there. They should do it. <laughs> do, okay. Do you guys think they do it? And the recommendation in the report, because I, I think this is cool. This is like our first book club meeting. We all read the report. Um, <laughs> all the 30, recommendation 30 is some pages of it. Here, yeah. hold on. Let me. 
The recommendation is they do it for 2021. Do we think they do it? And do we think it happens that fast? Yes, they do it, but no, not that. Yeah, fast. I'm with Brad. I think that um, inertia is real and um, change, it can be hard. I think it happens, but it takes more time. Well, it's like, it's like our boss says, to, to turn so, a, a big battleship around takes a long time and the NCAA might be the biggest one out there. Right. Absolutely. Oh. Right. All right. Well, um, hey. what, we got a, a win in Rome. and We got a, we got a win in Rome. Tonight, fellas? We've got a win in Rome and it hits. All right, lead us out. Home. Oh, you want me to start? Oh, boy. Here we go. All right. Yeah, go for it. Lead us out. So I put Christmas lights up on the house about a month ago when it was warm out. I was wearing shorts, short sleeves, no gloves, no hat. It was great. I thought this is the last nice weekend. I'm getting them up when I don't have to freeze my butt off. I won't turn them on until after Thanksgiving. Well, I tested them all out. They all worked. Went to turn them on on Black Friday, and you know what? They didn't all work. So it gets dark so early now that I didn't have until the last couple weekends on a Sunday in daylight to get out there and, and figure them all out. Um, actually, the last two weekends, the Vikings have won, and any of you Minnesota fans, you can thank me. I got pissed off at halftime, <laughs> went outside, Fixed lights, came back in, and they won both weekends. So you're welcome. Um, <laughs> and the, the good news is I got them all working, got them all turned on. Left the house Sunday night, come back. The last damn strand is out again. So, hey, get, guess what? This Sunday, the Vikings are going to win again because I got to go work on Christmas lights. So my win in Rome is, I guess, do you put them up? If you do, when do you put them up? When do you turn them on? And if you don't, I guess, when do you think it's possible oh, to put them well, up and turn them on? I think the, <clears throat> you can leave them up all year round. I don't care about that. But you don't turn them on until the day after Thanksgiving or, or after Thanksgiving dinner. If that's your family okay. tradition, I've got a good friend that there always be their family tradition. You have Thanksgiving meal. You watch National Lampoon's Christmas yeah. Vacation. <laughs> and you go outside and you turn the lights on. Yeah. So there, there would be the only alternative if you don't turn them on the day after Thanksgiving. Right. Yeah, you had me when you said you didn't turn them on. When you said you didn't turn them on, I thought thumbs up. Oh yeah. You can put them up whenever you want. I don't care. Whenever you get a chance. Okay. But let's not jump holidays. Agreed. Let's let Thanksgiving happen before we turn the lights on and we get ready for the next one. Right. Yeah. That's uh -huh. the way I look at it. Okay, good. We're all in hey, agreement. So, so, so the holidays transitions perfectly to me. So my would you rather, if um, you didn't have to have a conversation with your wife and you could do whatever you wanted, would you rather have a real tree or an artificial tree? I think we all have our trees up in our homes now. Would you rather have, not what you do have, but what would you rather have? Okay. Um, well, we have a tree, Justin, I think you have 13 trees in your house, right? <laughs> we, just, we have four, just relax. <laughs> um, I would, I would rather have 
a real one. Growing up, we were in every other year family. I had grandparents that lived three miles away and I had grandparents that lived 400 miles away. So every other year we would travel for Christmas. When we traveled, we had the fake one. When we stayed in town, we had the real one. And I, I just think it's really cool to have a real one. Um, however, never have my wife and I had a real one. We have had a fake one and that works out fine too. I'm torn. Um, I, I think I'd rather have a real one, even though we haven't had a real one in quite some time. Um, I like having a real tree. I like the way it smells. I like putting water in the, in the, in the tree stand and all of those things. Um, but I have a hard time, I guess, cutting a tree down to put in my house for about a month. When if I left it outside, it could participate in real ecology. Um, and so that's where I get torn. Now, that being said, uh, we will cut down trees in the future, I'm sure. Um, we just <laughs> haven't done that recently. All right. And I'm a 100% real guy. And uh, we make it a family event to go cut a tree down and to bring it in and uh, mm -hmm. put it in the house. This year, Finley helped me put the tree up. And uh, it was uh, kind of that family tradition. But uh, I'm... I'm I'm under the uh, knowledge that we have tree farms for a reason, just like we have, uh, you know, you know, beef herds for a reason. Those trees are raised for us to cut down and to use, and they will grow new ones up in its place and uh, the nice uh, ecology circle of life there. So I'm a, a real guy all the way, and uh, I won't scoff at anyone with a fake one, but I, I thoroughly enjoy having the real one. For sure. They do cool. smell nice and look nice. Justin, you got some mind benders for they, they us? Somehow smell, about mind they somehow benders, smell better than gin taste. A, a, a did you know? Did you know? <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> All right. So did you know that in 1906, the Chicago White Sox played the Chicago Cubs in the World Series in the only Chicago-Chicago World Series, right? Okay. Yep. The White Sox won, okay, four games to two. And the White Sox had the lowest season team batting average of any team to win the pennant ever at 230. As a team, for 1906, they hit 230. Because of that, their nickname were the Hitless Wonders, which is fantastic. Now, did you also know that a few weeks after they beat the Chicago Cubs, the Chicago White Sox got on a train and went north and came to Edgerton, Wisconsin, and played the Edgerton Town team? How what? legit is that? Yes. Who won? The Chicago White Sox played a basketball game in Edgerton. <laughs> the reason they did it was because they had a guy on their team by the name of Billy Sullivan. Billy Sullivan is from Oakland, Wisconsin, which is literally six miles from where I'm sitting right now. Yep. In between yep. us and Edgerton. Billy Sullivan went to Fort Atkinson High School. Billy Sullivan went to Fort Atkinson High School when it used to sit in basically what is now – 
the parking lot of the church up next to the water tower. Okay. So that's cool. The White Sox played in Edgerton, Wisconsin in 1906. By the way, they won 13 to two. (laughs) Two years later, the White Sox just missed winning the American League pennant. They lost to the Tigers at the end of the year by a one and a half games. Once again, they would have played the Cubs that year if they would have made it, but they didn't. A couple of weeks after they lost the pennant, where did they go to play a baseball game? Fort Atkinson, Wisconsin. Jones Park? The Chicago White Sox and Billy Sullivan have played literally three blocks from where I'm sitting right now. Did they play at Jones Park? That is so cool. Correct. That day, in the, in the, that day, in the Jefferson Daily County Union, here's what they wrote. They wrote, crowd the largest that ever attended a ball game in the city. Factories shut down. Business houses shut up. And masons and carpenters quit work to see the game. Score? <laughs> 16 to 1. <laughs> awesome. So we've got a Fort Atkinson High School graduate by the name of Billy Sullivan. He was a catcher. Not a terribly great hitter. If you look up his lifetime average on baseball reference, it's not great. But he did play in the bigs, and he brought the White Sox to to Fort Atkinson in 1908. One last thing. In 1954, Billy Sullivan was inducted into the Wisconsin Athletic Hall of Fame. That ceremony took place in Milwaukee before a Braves game that afternoon. The night before that Braves game, they had a reception for Billy Sullivan right here in Fort Atkinson, Wisconsin, in in the municipal building. And my favorite part about that reception is that night, a quartet of musicians played. Their name, the Blatz Quartet, which makes me think (laughs) that's got to (laughs) be... A great little group of four dudes that go around and and sell Blatt's beer while they play music. <laughs> okay. By the way, well, that is one last thing. Sorry. For anyone that's interested, they've got memorabilia at the Horde Museum on Billy Sullivan. They've got his plaque when he was inducted into the Hall of Fame. They've got um, a baseball from Billy Sullivan that he caught after it was dropped from the top of the Washington Monument, 555 feet up. So he participated in some sort of promotional stunt out there. So there's information at the Whore Museum in Wisconsin if you're interested in that. And just a quick shout out, a thanks to the director over there, Marilee Lee, Former teacher. for helping me with a little bit of research. And also thanks to David Stalker, who is a baseball historian and writer for um, um, a website, he is the guy that put the memorial plaque in Jones Field honoring Billy Sullivan. And he's put many of those in and around the Midwest for dead ball era baseball players. Pretty cool stuff. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I don't know what you're going to do to top that one next week because that was <laughs> just an awesome story. I just wanted you to keep going on on that one. Yeah, it's good. Just the idea that like back in the day, like at the end of the season, we didn't make enough money. So let's go to the tobacco capital of Wisconsin in Edgerton and play a baseball game. <laughs> well, I'm going to just, I'm going to go ahead and say that's got to be my favorite. Um, did you know to date? 
that's pretty cool. Okay. Um, out of everybody on the rosters, you'd think, gosh, why did they go Billy Sullivan's way? And then just just being associated with our high school's athletic department, I'm thinking we, we got to get this guy on the wall of fame. This, this is yeah. This is a neat Absolutely. story that I can't wait to talk to you more about when we get to school tomorrow, Justin. So. <laughs> All right. Well, don't, don't come down too early. I got a lot of labs to grade. <laughs> okay. All right. Maybe Friday after school. Uh, that sounds well, good. Let's wrap this up. Reminder, you can uh, join the Facebook group, request Brad or I for membership into that Facebook group. You can and should email the show. Mom and dad, I'll probably get it like a week after you send it because the email address <laughs> doesn't get checked that often. <laughs> you can subscribe to the YouTube channel and follow us on Twitter. I do want to apologize. I think based on um, the timing of some of the stuff that maybe I said and your guys' reaction and some pauses that when we do have this recording, I think the audio was a little off and I think it was on my end. So hopefully we can wake Nate up from his virtual uh, technology stupor <laughs> that he's in right now for next week. But thank you guys for watching. And um, thank you to our sponsor, Jared Terpstra, as always loyal, loyal listener of the show and now a proud supporter of the show. So thank you, Jared and the farmers co-op society out there hey, in uh, Iowa and pheasant country. And that's the show for this week. We are uh, back in probably i'm hoping a week we gotta we gotta set a date here fellas because we've got little tease here a couple of huge guests coming up here in the not too distant future and we need to let those folks plan so if you like this week stay tuned because we've got some big time guests coming up thanks a lot guys hey i can just i can just keep telling my wife i'm in the barn i'm good i hope you got your chores done man <laughs> hey, working hard out here. 